Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Milwaukee. Start your engines. It's time to talk about all things racing. NASCAR, IndyCar, trucks, and Formula One. This is the Final Inspection Show with Steve Zaki, Presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. Now, it's Final Inspection on 105.7 FM, The Fan. Here's Steve Zaki. Welcome to the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway. Jeff Orlowski, you know what? What? They're running at Great Lakes Dragway as we speak. Oh, God, it's the a track beautiful is thing. Open. Spring finally, is here! Finally, with uh, just weeks away from Summerfest, uh, so <laughs> <laughs> spring is here. Glorious. It is glorious. I can't wait our, to get out there. We're going to have our glorious two or three weeks of spring, and then the next thing you know, you and I will be sweating like pigs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> this is one of them years. It feels like it's going straight from the heat straight to the air conditioner. So, I uh, think so. You know, but I can't wait to get out to Great Lakes, man. It's always a good time out there. Yes, sir. And, uh, yeah, they announced on Facebook a couple of days ago they are running, and uh, it, it's it's about time because in the past they've, they've been running for a couple of weeks already, but not this year. It's been a brutal one, but thankfully we've uh, looks like we've we've come around that corner and uh, spring is finally here. And I also like to thank our friends at David Hobbs Honda, sixty one hundred North Green Bay Road. Make sure to check them out at davidhobbs.com. And so I got a story to tell you, Jeff. All right, story time with the Z Man. So oh, oh wait, uh, oh, before that though, so we were voted the greatest radio show in the on, history of the world. In the history, okay, yeah. this is official now. It's some. Yeah, somebody asked me, what's the greatest greatest radio show in the history of the world? I said, of course, the Final Inspection Show. So it's official. Pipe Bomb Approved. Pipe Bomb Approved. That's our new, I think that's it. (laughs) Pipe Bomb Approved. So we're going to talk about social media. All right. And here it is. uh, Old Steve doesn't get up that early on Saturdays. Okay. Steve likes to sleep in. I'm just one of these guys. The perfect schedule for me would be to get up at like between nine and ten o'clock and and be up until like two. Okay, that's the way I've always been. Worked third shift for a few years. Never really bothered me second shift, no problem. So mornings, I've never, never been a morning person. But anyways, I, so I, I get up and I'm you know doing some prep work on the show, and you go to different social media sites, and what happens? It's the giant time suck, isn't it? Oh, God. Yeah, I'm just going to check this real quick before bed, and two hours later, you're yeah. still awake. And you you know what's worse is videos. Oh, yeah. The videos are the worst, and they know this. Our friends in uh, Palo Alto uh, have been pushing videos more and more on their website. And it's it, the first time I noticed this was a couple years ago down in Indianapolis. And uh, I'm, I'm at my buddy's house. 
And uh, I'll mention him, Danny Gurney, son of Dan Gurney, uh, good guy. And me and my buddy are sitting on his porch. He's got a great porch to just sit and people watch because he lives close enough to the track. There's all his foot traffic. And we're just sitting, chilling out on the front porch. And there's some people coming in and out of the house and whatnot, but it's primarily just three of us, me, George, and Danny. And we're all chatting and chatting, and pretty soon it's it's just a two-person conversation. Danny checks out. He's and so George and I look at him, and this is the first time I ever really noticed it when you could, and this is a couple two years ago, where you start one video, and then Facebook has a thing where you can go right to the next one. Oh yeah, and he got sucked in. <laughs> he has, the world is there's nothing else in the world but just stupid video after video, and it's it's like crack. It's people. Tripping, falling over, it's people, you know, it's, and, and the worst thing for me on YouTube is these Russian car wrecks. Now, <laughs> I mean, there's so many, you just shake your head. You're just shocked that, I mean, you, you thought like, oh yeah, you know, Illinois drivers are bad or Florida drivers are bad, this and that, and, and so forth. No, it <laughs> doesn't matter. Russia, it is just, it's insane. Or any, I suppose, any Eastern Bloc European country is, it's just just insane these wrecks you see you you're just like oh my god i can't people you just they got to be half the people are drunk on vodka or, or <laughs> something because it, it's these wrecks you just shake and you can see them coming a mile away right you, you know you see the truck starting to weave and, and it's crossing the center line and the guy who's who's who has the camera because he knows there's people that you know there's insurance scams and that's why everybody in russia has a camera on their dash you know, you think you think they'd be a little, you know, like a little proactive. No, no, here he comes. It's like, dude, you better pull over. Crash, you know, and the camera <laughs> goes flying, and you hear him cussing in Russian and all of this. Anyway, so, yeah, and poor, poor Danny sitting there. He just gets sucked in. And just video after video. And then it's 15, you know, 15, 20 minutes later, we're like, hey, come on. And, oh, he, you know, he's kind of embarrassed. And it is. And that's what happened to me today. I'm, I'm just – Doing some prep work, posting some stuff on the station sites and whatnot, and it's. I look up; it's after eleven o'clock. <laughs> I just went into a time warp. It's like, boom! It's half an hour. Just like fast forward. Well, I appreciate you letting me know because now the next time we go to a barbecue and we're getting down to like the last steak on the dish, I'm just gonna hand you an iPad. And start playing Russian crash videos so you forget oh, yeah. and don't even yeah. go for the last steak, and you, then I can take you, it. Uh, yeah, it's, it's gone. It's over. <laughs> nice. Good to Especially know. Especially when you're entertaining maybe relatives and from out of town, just stick an iPad in front of them of you know Russian accidents, and they'll be shocked, and they'll be sucked in. I can go take a nap while yeah. they watch that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it, it happens to me a lot, too. I... Uh, you know, I, I'm not big on, on the Russian accidents, but I watch old NASCAR footage and races and stuff like that. And uh, oh, I've talked about that, too, on YouTube. It's fan, you know, YouTube has just become, I mean, before it was a lot of stupid stuff. And it, it, it's amazing how um, social media and that changes and evolves mm -hmm. because it, especially like you look at Twitter and and well, Facebook was for the kids. Right. All the kids were hip kids. And I remember I was working at the mile. One of the interns told me about Facebook and she was working on it and like, Oh, cool. 
And then about that time, you had to be in a college at that time. And it's like, oh, okay. And then like six months later, then they opened it up to everybody. Right. But that was 12 years ago probably. And it it, it was just all kids. Now, it's I would say primarily people over 35. Yeah. Because it, it, it's evolved now because all the kids and everybody else doing Snapchat and the other stuff. That's now kind of filled that void. And fa- and and Facebook is a great way for just for people our age to just stay up on what's happening with our friends and that. My problem is now I'm turning into a video snob. Like when I I watch a lot of music stuff on YouTube as well. So I'll go back and watch old you know heavy metal concerts from the eighties and shocking. early nineties really and stuff. At that. And if the quality, like the video quality is so bad, oh, yeah, the sound quality is yep. so bad, and half the time I'll, I'll get halfway through and just, I can't suffer through this anymore. Right. You get spoiled. Yeah, you do get spoiled. It, it's great to see the old bands back in their heyday and stuff, but sometimes it's a little rough. What's really interesting, though, is when you come across something you may have not seen before, like on YouTube, such as an old race or something, which was taped on a Betamax machine. Mm-hmm. Beta was first, and I had a friend. I have a friend of mine uh, who got his first Betamax machine in like the end of '76. Okay, when he was in his twenties, and he's, you know, he started to tape shows, races. That's what the primarily reason why he got it, and the the quality, even for then, is is really good as opposed to the VHS stuff that came in like maybe five years later. Oh, but, v- and it VHS was a situation. But the situation was, it was the length of the tape. Right. Betamax kind of put themselves in a, in a corner with the two-hour tape. Right. If, if that thing would have been a three-hour tape, nobody would have heard about VHS. Right. And it, But the quality, and you can tell if you if in, in, in any sport because there any any person any there was these video geeks back in the day that were doing this stuff and there's some uh, NFL films college football and you can tell the difference between beta VHS by the quality of the recording and some of them is really really good I'm really surprised at some of them but there's a lot of neat stuff on YouTube now if you're into stuff and people are putting stuff on Every single day, and it, it it's like, wow, I forgot about this or that, and it, yeah, it's addicting. Next thing you know, it's too. I, I mean, I've done that, and especially with the TVs now, with smart TVs, it's a lot easier. Oh yeah, with the first smart TVs, you had to do this, you had to switch some cords, you had to switch, you know, you had to do all this stuff. Now on my on my on my new smart TV, it's one button. Right, one button push, boop, YouTube, or I can go to Amazon or Netflix, wherever you want. It's a one one touch thing and that's that it's amazing how much easier and how much more you're inclined to jump to that format it's funny how far the technology is coming like you said with smart tvs stuff like that it's all one button now and then on the other hand we're going back because i think this was the first year i think last year was the first year that vinyl records right sold more than cds Mm-hmm. So you've got the huge movement bringing back vinyl records because the the original sound quality, everything it, it sounds fantastic, right. uh, and all that. So we're making huge advances and moving so far ahead and making everything so much easier on one side, 
And then on the other hand, records and stuff like that is all coming back as well. So it's it's very interesting how how that all works out. Betamax, like you said, the the quality is just night and day over For VHS that time. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah. absolutely. And you certainly see that. And it, it especially if you're an NASCAR fan or IndyCar fan or whatever motorsports, there is so much of it on YouTube. You, you know, it, it's it's surprising, and uh, it's 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 a lot of fun to look back on you know youtube and you know youtube was just people putting up their own videos and obviously it still is Mm -hmm. and and but therefore uh historic stuff it's really really gone and they got like a lot of uh television old oddball television uh shows on there too like the old in search of remember that with uh uh with spock leonard nimoy (laughs) And I don't it was remember a really, that one. I remember as a like little kid, and they always, you know, there's Bigfoot really out there, and it's just like the the shows today in search of Bigfoot, and that's what I don't understand about these reality shows that look for stuff that you know that's fake. People get sucked into and they never find it. Right. Like that. Well, what's the show with the guy looking for treasure on the island? They've been searching for this stuff for three years. They still haven't found it, and people are still sucked into it. I really people that gullible. I guess I I'll tell you I ever since Geraldo was in Capone's vault <laughs> yes. I will never watch that garbage ever again. So that got I was sucked into that. They found absolute squat. I'm I was done with it. There's that. the people looking for the, the Bigfoot searching for Bigfoot. No big. Now when I was a kid there wasn't all the cameras and stuff that there was now. And in, in search of came out they had the same. So when you're a dumb little 12 year old kid you think oh, well maybe there could be a bigfoot i don't know you know you're you're but you know as a 50 year old guy i know there's no bigfoot because right. if there was we would have seen him by now well just like there's no and, loch ness monster right but there's these people out there hook line and sinker and then oh, watching the, you know <laughs> we're gonna spend 40 hours you know you know eight eight television shows or whatever watching the, as they look for this Bigfoot or whatever they're searching for, the stupid treasure on the this island that they never find. And but the crazy thing is that it wouldn't be on if there wasn't people well, watching. Well, it's the venture. I understand why. It's the it's the adventure. It's it's how they get there. Just like the one with the, the gold where they're looking for gold in Alaska, and then they sent them to the Amazon. It, it's it, I understand that. You know, it's it's the interesting side stories. It's just like all the other ones, like Survivor and and all these other reality shows, which. I guess more some are a lot more scripted than people think, but I'll be watching old NASCAR races, or I'll watch the yeah I would World rather Dart Championship instead of watching that <laughs> junk. Yeah, I, you know, I would much rather you know watch the nineteen seventy six Darlington five hundred than uh, hello, you know, some uh, guy looking for some treasure that isn't there. <laughs> so, well, we got a full show today, and uh, it. it for for NASCAR fans, and Jeff and I, it's one of our favorite tracks. Of course, it is Richmond. Love it, love it. And we got Martin Truex on the pole there. We'll talk more about Richmond and the race that happened last night, the Xfinity race, an Xfinity race as it should be. And we'll expand on that in a moment. And then also in the second half hour, we'll be talking IndyCar. Uh, the IndyCars are down in Bama, and I still, I bet there are still people going, Alabama. There's where Talladega? Where are they? <laughs> no, at Birmingham, it's a great track, and surprisingly, when, when you look at it at paper, you go, "Why the heck are they running there?" But surprisingly, th- for some reason, nobody can explain why. But the 
IndyCar has put on a pretty good show at Birmingham, and hopefully that will happen again this year. And uh, then in the second hour, we'll have Eddie Lapine on from RacingNation.com. We'll talk about his trip to Long Beach and all the racing that was happening and all the the social stuff and and parties and whatnot that happens around uh, Long Beach. We'll talk to him about that and also get – Talk a little bit more IndyCar. And then, of course, what's the final inspection show without Dennis Michelson and Laurie Monroe? And we have some interesting subjects that we'll expand on coming up here with them in the second half hour from Race Talk Radio. You're listening to the final inspection show brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway and David Hobbs Honda. This is Final Inspection with Steve Zockey. Presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove. On 105.7 FM, The Fan. Welcome back to the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway and David Hobbs Honda. And Jeff, the NFL schedule makers made their schedules official the other night. And, of course, that's always a big thing, especially at uh, cities or fan bases like the Packers, Steelers, Cowboys, whatnot. And, uh, of course, our friends down south in Indianapolis, uh, the Colts released their schedule. Yeah, they're not happy. And uh, it's interesting because, well, for those who may not, you know, stay, you know, remember, memorize the NASCAR schedule, but the Brickyard 400 has been has been moved. It is now the kickoff for the the playoffs in the NASCAR series on September, I believe it's September 9th, uh, which is a Sunday. And uh, guess what? Uh, the Colts are at home that day. Oh, oops, oops. And this is, you know, I, 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 this is one of those things where the NFL doesn't have to, but sometimes I don't, and I, I, you know, they're the, you know, eight hundred pound gorilla in the sports world, and you know, we've had, we had, we would have this situation at the Milwaukee Mile where we would try, if possible, talk to the Brewers, maybe have the Brewers out of town. How much of a difference that make made was always, you know, eh. Because I know in the past, in the '60s, it was kind of a, a, a when when the Braves were in town, uh, the old regime at the at the mile, the Marchese's, uh, Wisconsin Auto Racing, it was always a kind of a feather in their cap when they would always try and outdraw the Braves, back in the '50s and '60s at the Milwaukee Mile, mm-hmm. which at that time a, a a good crowd at the Milwaukee Mile would have been. Somewhere between you know twenty two and thirty thousand, and at that time, County Stadium was not as big as it was you know when they tore it down. That uh, left field section was not had not been added, and I don't know if they had for a few years. They didn't have the bleachers there either, and then they you know as they went on, they kept on adding right. uh, seating and whatnot. But so it was always you know for back then it was kind of a challenge. For the Milwaukee Mile, and then in the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s, we should try to work out, kind of find a, a, a nice, you know, you guys are out of town, good, we'll have a race. And we, we, we find this 
uh, with the Colts, and we did, and uh, Chicagoland had did it with the Bears. Right, and they had so basically flip flopped the tracks. Chicagoland would always was hoping that the Bears would not be in town, and a few times they had some conflicts, and so yeah, I think it makes a difference. And the, what bothers me about that is that. You know, a couple years back when all the talk was about the NFL expanding to 18 regular season games instead of 16, NASCAR moved back the Daytona 500 by a week because they didn't want to conflict with, you know, the NFL schedule at all. Right. So if the NFL schedule extended their regular season, NASCAR didn't want to have to have the Daytona 500 go up against the NFL. So they move their the Daytona 500, the biggest race of the year, the Great American Race, back to try, you know, to avoid a conflict with the NFL. Obviously, that um, the, those niceties aren't reciprocated the other way around. The NFL just doesn't care. Yeah, they don't, and it's it'll be interesting to see how much of a difference that makes. The because you're thinking. More playoff. I mean, IMS Indianapolis is thinking maybe this is a better. There's certain things that are better. It's supposed should. Conventional wisdom says it's going to be cooler. It won't be as hot. Mm-hmm. Uh, sitting on those aluminum bleachers. And number two, the race should mean a little more because it's a playoff atmosphere. Air quotes used there. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see how much because a lot of the Fans that come into the brickyard that is from out of town, right? So, but still, you know, you're you're missing out on sixty five thousand right. local or semi local fans. And then there's fans. the hotels, too. of course, of course. So, granted, you know, we'll we'll see. Hopefully, they draw. A Indianapolis better... is a lot of hotels, and they got the space. But what happens is everybody jacks up their prices. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, they'll be gouging, but uh, we'll see. Hopefully, it doesn't affect the crowd. Hopefully, it doesn't affect. You know, uh, excitement going into the race because it is the start of of the NASCAR playoffs. Moving, uh, continuing on in the world of NASCAR, Richmond this week, and uh, Eric Eric Martin Truex Jr. number seventy eight won the pole. Hey, yeah. this guy only wins at one point five mile tracks. I thought. Yeah, well, you know, he's got the pole. His uh, career results at Richmond aren't uh, all that. Notable. He had an inter- I got an interesting quote. He goes, uh, out of all the short tracks, this is the one I feel like we should have had the most ex- success at and should have won by now. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how that transpires uh, tonight at Richmond. I mean, I, you can't call him – I mean, yes, he's, he's the best at 1.5 track. He is the champion, though. A, a, a champion driver is one that overcomes all that. Right. When Alan Kowicki won in 92, Allen was the short track guy. He really ran well at North Wilkesboro, Martinsville, Bristol, Richmond, and that. He always had some issues on the super speedways. That was kind of his Achilles heel and and the road race and the road races. By the time 92 comes around, his program had progressed where it he wasn't a liability at the short tracks. Obviously, a lot of times he wasn't contention for the win. But he'd be right up there in the top ten, mm-hmm. pushing the top five. Which in that time, at, at that time, the way the points was was very important. Same thing with the road courses. He had actually 
become really uh, uh, comfortable on the road courses. And so, and Martin Truex, is probably, and, and that, that 78 team as itself, has progressed to the point where they're just not a one-trick pony anymore. They're, they're at the point now because they're the champion. They can win anywhere. Of course. You can't count Martin Truex out at any race on the on the schedule at all. You know, if if Truex wins at uh, at Sonoma, is anybody going to be surprised? No. If he wins at Talladega, is any gonna, anybody going to be surprised? It doesn't matter. He, you know, he's in contention no matter where he goes. And he's earned that right, and he's proven that he can race on any track. We'll see. But I'll tell you this, I uh, and I forgot who mentioned it last week, but somebody said that uh, a couple of these 1.5-mile tracks should try to shrink them down to three-quarter mile like Richmond and, you know, where they wouldn't have to redesign the seating, you know, they could kind of try to work it out. Well, Benny Parsons was a big proponent of knocking down the banks. Yeah. You know, uh, and I uh, was really kind of surprised when they did it when Phoenix actually put in banking at their track. You know, in the past, you know, not pulled, you know, it has to be, you have to have the radius right, which was an issue with, with New, New Hampshire. For many years, they said it was like the Milwaukee Mile, but it was a much tighter access on it, a little more of a paperclip type mm-hmm. than Milwaukee. Milwaukee's all opened up, so you could kind of boogie the car around a lot. And uh, it's knocked down the banks. Would that would that help? Time would tell. But I mean, you know, I I'm you know, as a kid growing up, I loved the banks. I loved the car, you know, the look of the cars at Daytona, Talladega awesome when i was a kid but now i kind of understand what benny was saying you know like yeah knock banks down and you'll see who you know, who the real drivers are yeah as long as there's multi-groups you know well that yes yes because true. you've got martinsville where you know it's basically flat all the way around uh and still the the low the low sides the decide to be on and mm-hmm. uh you know if you can figure out a track that's basically flat that has multiple grooves that people can run and run fast then then it'll get interesting. Here's a bit of trivia. Uh, a lot of people don't know about this. How many lifelines do I get? Well, you know, in the 60s, in the 60s and even into in the early 70s, there, were, there was a big push politically to move the state fair. They were trying to move the state fair to uh, Madison. Okay. Because I think Wisconsin is the only one whose state fair is not in the state capital. Indiana, you know, Indiana State Fair is in Indianapolis. Illinois State Fair is in Springfield. Never but, been either. So yeah, I couldn't and a lot of people don't notice that. They go, oh, yeah, why isn't the State Fair in Madison? But it was because it was the big city, and it was close to, I guess they had a port. And, but anyways, there was some talk, uh, two things. One one was uh, if, if they would move the State Fair, the possibility of taking some of that land, expanding the Milwaukee Mile, into a 1.5 mile track, <laughs> it would be more like Trenton, though, where they the, the talk was they were going to expand it to the north. Okay. So and they would bring in and then they would and then sublet probably get rid of the west parcel, west west parcel along 84th Street. They would probably would have sold that, maybe cut that in half, but that would have been a privately held track. Boy, if things would have changed. Or the other one was uh, before. Uh, I got to remember his name here in just a second. He was a drag racer, but they were going to have a track in Salem. Uh, 
John Cation and his group had explored about having a truck in Salem, Wisconsin, which is right on the border of the Illinois border in Kenosha County, in the western uh, part of uh, Kenosha County. And then in the early 90s, that went away. And then the drag racer, I can't think of his name, but I'll think of it later, uh, he was interested and actually had talked to some people. And, and then eventually that all died when Chicagoland came in. But it's inter- interesting. Martin Truex on the pole, his third pole of the year. He also had held the pole at Phoenix and Auto Club Speedway. Uh, of course, the other pole winners this season was, of course, Alex Bowman in the Daytona 500. Kyle Busch has two poles at Atlanta and then last week at Bristol. So Truex leads the, the list so far. And we had Ryan, Berla- Ryan Blaney at Vegas and Kurt Busch at Texas. Let's take a quick break. It's time now for a sports flash here in just a moment. And we'll, uh, where are we? Oh, yeah. That's right. We, that's right. It's the weekend. Yeah. Everybody's working for the weekend except for Steve. Let's take a break now. <laughs> it is time for the final inspection show brought to you by Great Lakes Dragway, which is now open. Make sure to check out all the details at greatlakesdragway.com and David Hobbs Honda. Check out David Hobbs Honda for all their latest in new and used cars. Inspection show brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway. Make sure to check out greatlakesdragway.com. They are open. They are running cars. Get out there. Take a look around. Enjoy this spring weather as it continues to get warm. I also like to thank our friends at David Hobbs Honda, 6100 North Green Bay Road. Make sure to check out them, all their new and used cars. Bristol last week. Oh, yeah. Two days of Bristol. Did you like the uh, the 48 hours of Bristol? What to see? Now, Friday, I guess it was almost pushing 80 degrees. Yep. And then Saturday, it started to cool off, and they had some rain and whatnot. They got, uh, And then Sunday, it got wiped out, and it got even colder with rain. They run the race on Monday in the 30 degrees, you know, in the, what, mid-30s. Yeah. And the race finishes, and it starts to snow. Yeah, it was great. It was great, and I loved it. I think uh, a lot of the reason for my enjoyment is that it was uh, 72 and roofed in my living room where uh, I had the feet up on Monday afternoon watching uh, watching a fantastic finish to the race. It was those a- are the true fans. Those those fans that, that showed up, and I, I, I want to say a track did that couple years ago where they had a rain out or something the weather was miserable i don't know could have been martinsville who knows richmond bristol and they gave them a anybody who came got uh 
you know, some some type of trinket or something. It was kind of I thought it was kind of cool for for them to show up and in, in, in that make that commitment. That that's impressive. It is impressive. And all the people that showed up and there weren't many. I thought it was a fantastic idea that, you know, they closed the schools in that in the couple counties around Bristol. And so the racetrack said any kids, if you go to schools in these two counties, come and you get in for free fantastic idea to try to fill the stands because they knew that on a Monday the crowd was was going to be almost so why were the schools closed I think it was it was either due to the weather or it was due to the so race. the kids can't go to school but they can go to the race of course <laughs> well what's more important Steve come on but it was a fantastic race the action on the track there was a lot of uh you know the "quote unquote" chrome horn uh, getting laid down, and Lane. It was the two Kyles that had the chrome horns out, didn't they? Oh God, it was good, man. That was that was a heck of a battle, and uh, just it was exciting. It was it was about time after a couple of ho hum, you know, races lately. It was great that the excitement returned. It was also fantastic that you know we talked after the Martinsville race got run on Monday about how usually when the race gets run on Monday, it's boring because the drivers just want to get it done and get out of town. The race was thoroughly enjoyable. You know, all day Monday, you know, these guys were going pedal to the metal. There was no just making laps and putting down laps and, you know, trying to make sure you finish in the top 10. These guys were hauling the mail. It was was great. I loved it. And uh, I guess... It shouldn't, it shouldn't be a surprise, but the way he's been running so far this year, it was with the 48 and third place. Yeah. Yeah. You know, finally, that's, I think, his first top five finish of the season. And, uh, you know, you know, everybody wants to put the fork in Jimmy Johnson. And I'm the, I'm the one to keep saying, especially with the rules now, all it takes is one win. And if you're betting against Jimmy, Call me up, and I will take that bet because between now and between the Brickyard 400, he's going to get one win and get into these playoffs. Uh, why not? I mean, yeah, I would I would definitely – I would bet for Jimmy then against him because it's just – well, I mean, if you look at what's behind him, yeah, the resources that he has, of course, it's, it's Jimmy. You could, You, I guess – you could say Chevrolet is having a down year, but the jury's still out. It's still way too early because well, we saw Larson's this with Toyota well. a couple of years ago. Toyota was dominating the first half of the season. Who won the championship? Jimmy. Yep. So, I mean, it, it, a lot of racing to go yet, but I, I think that's what they're looking for is is, is it's the old adage, you got to get a couple top fives before you get that first win. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and we certainly saw that with uh, Jimmy Johnson. Good, strong run by Ricky Stenhouse, too, who always seems like he runs well at, at, at Bristol. He does run well at Bristol. It was, uh, I think he led some laps, didn't he? I believe he did. Eric Jones led, led a bunch of laps. That was good to see. Eric Jones had a very strong, and we're starting to see why the switch was made. You know, uh, of course, us Wisconsin fans necessarily don't agree with it, but if you're looking at driver salaries and the results, I mean, I hate to say it, but it is the, the ugly, you know, situation that's happening in racing right now. The kid can drive. Yeah. The kid can drive, but they, you know, you need to make cuts where you can because the sponsorship money isn't there anymore. Yeah, that's true. And, uh, you know, like you said, with the, the salary dump that, uh, you know, he's probably making what 
a quarter of what Matt Kenseth made, but he can he can wheel that race car. Uh, and it's nice that, you know, this is one of the first Bristol. This is one of the first times after the race that we're not really harping on pit guns. You know, we're actually talking about the racing on the track. Well, there were some rumblings yet again. Well, of course Jenny there Hamlin were. was, you know, was yipping about it. But uh, correction, Ricky Stenhouse did not lead a lap. All right. Surprising. Yeah, I thought he led a lap too. Yeah. But he was running, I mean, he was running strong most of the race. Uh, a couple other notable finishes. Uh, Eric Amarola, the 10 car, uh, suddenly with a new driver, is getting top 10 finishes. <laughs> That's shocking. Just, he deserved well, a lot better finish than what he had. He had a better race card than how he finished. Uh, it is good to see him. Uh, <laughs> it's good to see him race well. I was skeptical uh, being being a Harvick and, and Stuart guy Haas fan. who was running well until he had some issues with Darrell Wallace. Yeah, yeah, he Bubba was running strong. And did you see the the video that he posted after the race? Where you know, yes, it was great to see the STP, you know, up front and all this. We had a great car, uh, but you could tell he was he was angry about his finish right. and and how his day ended. And it was true emotion. It was great. It's fantastic. The, he that video alone is one of the reasons why he is going to lead NASCAR. To the next level, he's going to help stop the bleeding between the low attendance, the low ratings, and he is going to kickstart the next generation and rise back up of NASCAR. And he led a five laps in the race. It's good to see the forty-three up front again. Yeah, it especially was. with those classic iconic colors. It was. It was great. It I was fantastic. love the petty blue and the diglo orange. I do too. I and do too. Are- yeah, there's uh, Marsha Pruitt always so you'll post a photo. This photo makes me happy. Seeing those colors always make me, makes me happy. Agree. And Ford is switching cars. We're going all pony cars, aren't we? We sure are. Mustang. Going to the Mustang. Now, I posted a photo on the final inspection page on the Facebook page if you if you want to go there. It's if you search TFI for the final inspection and then the final inspection page. There is a in the Xfinity race yesterday. They, it was a Toyota Camry pace car, and Michael Waltrip, who will trip over himself, praising everything NASCAR to a fault. Yep. I I mean I understand you're you're getting paid, but he he kind of overdoes it. I mean just shut up, Michael. Just you know. Oh, I just love the Camry. It's so racy. Oh, just look what NASCAR did to it. Oh, it's just oh, just shut up. He's just oh. a shill. Oh, he's a NASCAR God. shill, and he's so see-through. You know, I loved when he did like the grid walk and stuff in the pre-race uh, shows back in the day. That was that was cool because that was him in his element. He was able to sit there, go off the cuff. You know, he he's a funny guy. He's a nice guy, entertaining. But he tries too hard sometimes. Just I know. Uh, but when get he's, on his put the knee. Knee pads on. Oh, I know. Take the knee pads <laughs> off, Michael. Come on. Um, it, it, it's and there's a shot of the Camry, and it's the the, the street Camry, and then there's a t- Camry stock car behind it. Did you see that photo? Oh, yeah. yeah, I saw it. It's ridiculous. <laughs> you know, it. So such Mustang, as NASCAR. Mustangs and Camaros should not be the size of an SUV. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I understand. Now, 
There goes Steve again. We're going to go in the Wayback Machine again. (laughs) Because back in the day, stock cars were late model cars. Where did the term late model? Late model came from the years it was made. So then everybody remembers the Dodge Charger, the Petty Dodge Charger. Remember that? The iconic iconic Charger that Dodge came out in 1971. It ran through 1974. Then came the Chrysler Cordoba, fine Corinthian leather. <laughs> and the sister car to that, a lot of people forget, was the Dodge Charger. So you had the Chrysler Cordoba and the Dodge Charger, and so it would they looked the same. So if you if you look at if you remember the Chrysler Cordoba, which a lot of our listeners will remember, the Dodge Charger just looked like the same because that's what automakers did. American Auto had so much of the market share they could duplicate multiple models of the same car gm coming out with the same car under three different brand names the my favorite was the in the mid-70s the chevy nova yep i had pontiac ventura the oldsmobile omega and the buick apollo yeah all the same of the same car yeah absolutely anyway so the 75 the Dodge Charger came out, and little Stevie was crying because it was so ugly. And uh, all the people were saying, hey, we can't run this thing. This thing is an aerodynamic brick. So, But the good news was back then, NASCAR, you could run it for three years. So Petty ran the car in 75, 76, and 77. At the end of the 77 season, the Dodge Charger, that iconic Charger, was going away. And I remember one of the last races – was Neil Bonnet winning at the old Ontario Speedway, which for rare, for some reason, was on live ABC Sports. I remember my dad and I watching it, and it was really sad because that was the last going to be one of the last races of that car. Not the last race, but one of them. Anyways, so it went away, and everybody was switching to Monte Carlos and that. And then by 1978, Detroit had downsized the cars. If you remember the 78 Pontiac Grand Prix, that big thing, the 78 Grand Prix was much smaller. And all the cars started to go smaller, and the wheelbase went down. NASCAR made a rule shrinking the wheelbase. And there's all sorts of people. So if you look at the cars in 1979 or was it 80? 1980, I think they made the wheel. No, I'm sorry. 81 was the wheelbase rule, I think. And that's when all the cars got smaller, but they were because that's what the cars were. And I wonder if NASCAR... Could you know, I mean they're not going to do it because of the price? But in hindsight, should they when they went to this new car, should they have made it a little bit smaller? Yes. Okay. Yes, they Boy, should. That's, they- a long, that's a long way around the block for a one-word answer, but I like it. Good, he agrees with me. Yes, very smart, well, fantastically explained. Answers yes. Okay. So we next year we're going to have just because I'm an automotive geek. We're going to have really big Camaros and Mustangs and Camrys. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, you know. When is Toyota going to get their hot rod out? They're, they call the Camry their hot rod, but they have a sport model of the Camry. But Yeah, I'm waiting for them to come out with a souped-up uh, Toyota Odyssey minivan. There you go. <laughs> is it time for a break? It sure is. Let's take a break. You're listening to the Final Inspection Show brought to you by legendary Great Lakes Dragway. They are open. Make sure to check out greatlakesdragway.com for all the details. 
and David Hobbs Honda in Glendale. This is Final Inspection with Steve Zockey. Presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove on 105.7 FM, The Fan. Hey, welcome back to the Final Inspection Show brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway. And, of course, David Hobbs Honda. We always thank them for their support. Last night, of course, we got the night racing. Love the night racing. I do, too. Don't want it every weekend, but, like, this weekend, it was a lot of fun. A lot of stuff going on last night. We had the Xfinity race on. We had the Brewer game on, and then we had the Bucks game. Bucks, that was really good scheduling. I like the later Bucks. Yep. Because by that time, the the Brewer game was pretty much in hand. They won, was it 8 nothing? 8-zip, yeah. And, uh... So I was watching the Brewer game, and then I kind of transitioned to the Bucks game, and then we had the Xfinity series, and it just it was very nice. Just kind of float between the three there for a while. And yeah, that was a good Friday night, man. It was, you know, my remote got a workout, and that was the only thing that did. You don't have the two TV set up like old Stevie over here, do you? No, I'm not making the big bucks like you, Z-Man. Oh, come so, on now. You know, when you're just a, a piddly little producer over here, you don't get paid enough to get two TVs. A pretty cool race. Uh, and, and it's the Xfinity race that the final, when it was even Sparky's final inspection, has been uh, begging for for a while. And we're starting to see that now with the, the it's it's the regulars. Yep. It, it's kind of a more Trinity start. Uh, finishing second in, in the, with uh, Sadler, Matt Tiff, Austin Sindrick, Cole Custer, Ryan Truex, Jeremy Clements, Ryan Reed, and Brandon Jones. No cup guys. Yeah, it's awesome. Isn't that nice? It is nice. It is nice. They can now officially go back to the names are made here slogan yeah. if they want to. It was fantastic. It was a good battle uh, for the lead the last 10 laps. However, you were thinking that Chrome Horn was going to come out, weren't you? Oh, absolutely. I was kind of hoping I really was, was kind of, yeah. But Gregson just could not get up. It was almost like Bell was almost kind of playing with him a little bit. Uh, and, of course, they are uh, Joe Gibb teammates. Now, let's be honest. 20 and the 18, they're, they're, the, they're the cats meowing that series. So they're running very good cars. But still impressive with uh, Noah Gregson. I admit it. I, am, I, will, I will state it right now. I am a big Christopher Bell fan. Been following him uh, through the USAC series and that. The kid, he looks like he's 12 years old, but the kid is a driver. And uh, I think it'll be interesting to see just what Joe Gibbs does with him. Yeah. Where is he going to end up? Because he is pretty much, he's, he's ready for cup. His arrow is pointing so far straight up. So where, where are you going to put him? Or do you do a thing where, like they did with Eric Jones last year? That's what I think is going to end up happening with Bell. And uh, but you know the sad thing is, what it all comes down to sponsorship, doesn't it? Oh, I know. But I think, you know, hopefully Bell won't have a problem. I think Bell, you know, him and William Byron. You know, it's amazing having guys uh, basically in back-to-back seasons that just have so much talent and are so fast that can sit there and you know Christopher Bell, if he was in Cup Series this year. You know, I think he would be competing top 15 week in, week out. I've, I've been on this for a couple of years because I think it's somebody is, whoever Mark can get this money is brilliant. 
and I would hire him in a flash. Explain the dash for cash. Well, I love it that that they're doing it, and this is the second year that they're doing it all short tracks. So I think it's fantastic. Does how can I say this? What I'll um, does the if you find a guy in the street? Are you are you a race fan or a NASCAR fan? Does he know what the dash for cash is? No, no. It's been around for seven eight years, hasn't it? Yeah, it is. I, I and they keep selling this thing, but it's it hasn't really gained traction. No, I mean it's good for the sport. I'm not saying I'm not criticizing that they're doing it. I'm just surprised that it it's lived as long as it lived because it just doesn't seem to be. I mean, the Winston Million that was huge of when they it. did that. Now, obviously, it's a different time. NASCAR was really growing, and a million bucks for you know at a race was a big thing back then. But I'm just I'm really surprised that year after year they've been able to to continue this, which is good for the series. I'm not saying that. I'm just surprised that yeah, they they're able to sell this thing. They need to explain it clearly and better and and make sure that everybody understands A how the drivers are chosen, B why it's there, you know, but it's fantastic for those drivers well, and now, and those teams. I follow I mean I'm not Mr. NASCAR. I'm not like Nate Ryan or some of these guys. I don't follow the series all the time. But Spencer Gallagher was in it. Yeah. Who yeah. <laughs> well, I know Spencer Gallagher he came know, up through the yard, but, but I was surprised that he was in it. And it's like, I okay, you need Steve. You got to do your homework and find out why. And I understand why now, but I had to look it up. And it's 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 because of the finishing and whatnot, the previous race. Mm-hmm. But it's like, okay, Elliot Sadler, I can see. He, of course, and he he actually won it by finishing third, right? And then, but it's interesting. The the four guys that were in it, the results were third, fourteenth, seventeenth, and twenty ninth. Yeah. Oh, so, I know. One guy that wasn't in it, and I'll tell you another thing I liked about the Xfinity race last night, uh, Kaz Gralla, he, he 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 did not make the dash for cash. He finished 30th uh, last night. And, uh, oh, yeah, oh, wait, Austin Sindrick, I think he was fifth. Yeah. So, but, you know, I'll just throw that out there. Austin Sindrick, you kid, kid can drive, and I do like uh, that he's driven a lot of different cars, and he's been driving a lot. He's been filling up his schedule, which I've been a big proponent for for these young drivers. I don't care where you're at, but you should be you should be driving whatever you can all the time. If you're a true race car driver, absolutely he's doing and it the right way. He'll I, take a I'm, seat in any kind of car you want to throw him in and he performs. And unfortunately, there's a lot of guys, you know, it's, it's especially some notable drivers on the IndyCar side who haven't done that. And I think it's it's hurt their career in some ways, but I agree. Uh, let's. It's time now for a break and a sports flash. And a sports flash. <laughs> With the Polish pipe bomb, Jeff Rolowski, you're listening to the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway and David Hobbs Honda. Coming up after the sports flash, it will be Eddie Lapine from RacingNation.com. We're going to talk some IndyCar coming up next on the Final Inspection Show. Milwaukee. Start your engines. It's time to talk about all things racing. NASCAR, IndyCar, trucks, and Formula One. This is the Final Inspection Show with Steve Zaki, Presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove. Now, it's Final Inspection on 105.7 FM, The Fan. 
Here's Steve Zaki. Show brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway and David Hobbs Honda. Joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline from RacingNation.com, it is Eddie Lapine. Welcome to the show, Eddie. Hey, Steve. Hey, Jeff. How are you guys doing today? Great. Can't complain. It's it, it's we finally uh, got above the Mendoza line here in uh, <laughs> in Wisconsin. It, it's warming up finally. Oh, it yeah. It's it's. Kind of warm here today. It's I believe it. Eighty, I think. 80? I had to wear a sweatshirt okay. this morning when I walked the dogs. You know, <laughs> nice. It's it's nice being home. How's that? Yeah. How was the weather in uh, Long Beach? I heard it was magnificent. Probably the. I mean, it was. It's always good, but this was extremely well this year. It was awesome. And of course, uh, Alexander Rossi uh, winning the Long Beach Grand Prix over Will Power and Ed Jones. Uh, in the Toyota Grand Prix of Long Beach at Long Beach, and uh, it, it's supposedly it was the largest crowd in probably 10, 15 years. Oh, yeah, that's what they're reporting, and I'll tell you, it was it was one of the biggest crowds I've seen just going there for the last 10 years. It, it was great to see. Um, but as Long Beach, as you well know, yourself going there steve they have ever they have something for everybody well it's an Can't event imagine. it certainly is yeah right? and so when now with long beach it's a street course and it is it, it, it it's a pretty nice layout and and whatnot and there's events in the uh in the, the convention center there's a lot of stuff for fans to do what did you notice an increase in walking like that midway alongside the track there, or where, where, where did you kind of notice the increase in, of people at, at the track? I think I, I noticed it everywhere because they have a lot of interaction games and, you know, five-hour energy and, you know, Cadillac. All the manufacturers have displays, and they're giving away T-shirts, or and there's just a lot of fans there experiencing um that venue and all the things that go along with it. Well, one nice thing about the the track too, and and with road courses and that, it being a street course, you know, people are always moving, and there's bleachers all over the place, and there's always seems to be some type of on track session, uh, on track action, whether it's practice or qualifying or the race itself, and the multiple series they had there. Of course, they had IndyCar racing there on uh, on Sunday. He had IMSA sports cars there the previous day on, on Saturday, but also some of the other events that were there. Tell us about that. Well, they had Pirelli Challenge was there, and uh, the uh, Robbie Gordon's truck, off-road truck series. Very entertaining. Very entertaining. Actually, and I think it was Ari Matthew. Yeah, uh, yes, Junior The Bachelor was running there, and of course the race was won by Matthew Brab on one of my uh, one of my favorite young stars who needs to be in a, in a in a series full time. Well, and as you were talking about, drivers need to get out of the box and drive different things, and and that's 
the kind of series that it's allowing, and it's it's giving them at least the opportunity to be in a seat at some event. And what better event to be at is Long Beach. And if you don't know what we're talking about, and this is where YouTube is a, is a big help too. Go to Stadium Super Trucks. Just put that in your search engine, and they've raced. In fact, they were earlier in the year. They were in Australia at one of the Australian uh, um, supercar events. But they've also raced, and they're they're coming to Road America in late June. So I'm excited to see them. But they're it it it's exciting to watch because they race on a road course, and they put ramps in. And I and, and and these cars, these trucks, I should say, are flying through the air, and it it it, it is absolutely entertaining. These huge trucks racing on a road course, it, it just visually and is, especially in, in person, uh, Eddie, it, it's fantastic, isn't it? Oh, totally. And it, it like you said, it 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 gives everybody something to watch. I mean, you know, you see the Porsches on the track, the Indy cars, all the major series are at that event. And then you have these off-road trucks, and people are just amazed when they see them jumping ramps through the streets of Long Beach. And a tough day uh, uh, last Sunday for Simon Paginal, who got uh, drop-kicked by Graham Rahal. And it, it, it's for some reason, there's, there's, a, there's a small minority of people that just hate Graham Rahal, and those people certainly were, certainly were out on social media during the race saying, oh, that Graham Rahal, and, you know, he, he apologized for it, but uh, what's, what's, what's Eddie Lapine's uh, version of that with the, with Graham Rahal and Simon Pagenaud on the well, early I mean, first it, lap? <laughs> it depends on, I mean, if you're Simon Pagenaud, you're mad, and, you know, it's the first turn, the first lap, and, you know, Graham Rahal went a little too late and punted him, basically. I, I'd be totally upset if I was Simon. Uh, you know, it's it's not a way to end the race, I mean, race in the first turn like that. Right. And then Graham went on to have a pretty decent run. And, you know, I mean, everybody's going to have an opinion about it, especially social media. But, I mean, it was wrong, you know. And, it, and he... I don't believe him. Believe he got a penalty for it too. On top of it, I'm trying to remember now if he you, did get a drive-through. No, I think he did get a drive-through penalty. But uh, oh, did he get one? Yeah, yeah, I think he did. But it, you know, it, I, I mean, I can see both sides. I mean, yeah, I don't think he did it on purpose. But I mean, oh, I, no. I, but I mean, it's just one of those things. You know, the thing is. Pagano's going to do it to somebody else, probably somewhere along later in his group. So, wow, well, I mean, it 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 happens to everyone, and you know, I mean, it's it, it's a racing incident when it's the last lap, when it's the first in first lap, it's it's just brain fade and just being overzealous, and you know, I mean, it's just these guys are professionals. Uh, you know, Graham knows better, and you know, maybe Simon lifted a little early, but. You know, Graham went a little later, and the, the rest is history, and it just gives somebody to – some a lots of people to talk about on social media and voice their opinion about it. Give me give me one thing from the weekend that you said, wow, I wasn't expecting that, or that I wasn't, didn't think he or she was there, or something, celebrity, anything. What do you got? Well, I mean, on the IndyCar race, I think totally – you know, I mean, Rossi – 
could have basically won the first three races. I mean, he should have won Phoenix. He was the fastest car out there, and he's putting his mark on it right now. Um, and Wickens, I thought he would run a little better there. Um, but, you know, I mean, I think you're going to see this weekend at Barber, it, it's a totally different place. It's been a lot of action already today in the uh, last practice session with several of the newer drivers going off the track. And uh, we'll just have to wait and see what happens this weekend. I think we could see another winner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Um, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about Alabama in a moment. But tell us about George Fulmer. Is George Fulmer is out there again? Well, yeah, that was one big thing that I kind of did put on social media on was George Fulmer and Parnelli Jones were there celebrating uh, the historic Trans Am Series, had their cars there racing, and uh, it was really uh, unbelievable to be able to uh, – you don't get many opportunities to hang out with George Fulmer and Parnelli Jones. And they're a little frail, but uh, they made it there. And they actually, Parnelli waved the green flag uh, for the start of the race, which was pretty cool. And they were, you know, it was a different perspective from for them, too, as well, seeing a lot of the cars they drove back in the day. Yes. And, you know, the, the, the story started to fly at Chip Ganassi's uh, hospitality. It was it was pretty cool. It, I think they could have made it a reality show. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, George I mean, George and Parnelli are certainly two uh, iconic figures in auto racing, and uh, whenever they're in an event, it kind of raises the status of any event they're at. And, uh, and it was kind of cool seeing the Dan Gurney uh, Formula 5000 car driven, previously driven by Bobby uh, Unzer and James Hunt. And uh, what's, what was cool about that but that was actually the first car to lap at the Long Beach Grand Prix back when it was a Formula 5000 event in 1975. That was really special. I mean, we lost Dan earlier this year, and uh, to be able to see that run. And I was I was at the Road Racers Drivers Club dinner last year with uh, Dan and, and AJ from celebrating their 50th year of winning Le Mans. And, you know, I mean, these are special guys that made their mark, uh, and not just a little mark, a huge mark in motorsports, and have made it what it is today. And to see these guys there and to see the cars, it was just like the Trans Am race. Um, it, it was awesome. Uh, one quick funny story I can tell you, though, Steve. If Go you, ahead. If you have a second. Yeah. Sure. Real quick. Okay, so I take... George wants to go watch the Trans Am from Pitt Lane. So we go over there, and George is getting a little, uh, you know, dehydrated, so I'm trying to find him a bottle of water. And uh, I, I try to get into the hospitalities, and they won't let me in there. And I said, well, you know, I'm with George Fulmer. And they're like, George who? <laughs> and I'm like, this guy is like a legend. So make a long story short, we walk over, and A.J. Foyt's uh, crew is doing some engineering debriefing still from the practice. And I said, could I get a water for George Fulmer? And they were like, oh, sure, sure. You know, so I took the water over there, and I said to George, I said, hey, I got a, a bottle of water from uh, A.J. Foyt's guys. They gave it to him. And uh, George goes, oh, uh, don't tell A.J. He'll probably charge me for it. <laughs> 
So, I mean, they still, you know. They, they still, still love to rib each other, don't they? each other. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They, I think they love to hate each other. But, uh, <laughs> you know, and AJ was definitely stung by bees. I, I was a witness uh, <sighs> that he couldn't make it to Sebring for the Hall of Fame. He showed me uh, his uh, battle scars from fighting off the the, the bees. Wow. So, I'll tell you, 300 bees. And uh, he said he's going to get back at him again. So he's still yeah, a nothing to fool team. around with. Well, he's no, two and zero no. against him already. He might as well go for the yeah, trifecta. Uh, it's time for a break, Eddie. If you, uh, can you stick around for one more segment with us? Sure. All right, we're talking to Eddie Lapine from RacingNation.com and the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. When we come back, we'll talk uh, the IndyCar Grand Prix of Alabama coming up next on the Final Inspection Show. <laughs> show brought to you by legendary great lakes dragway.com they are open today make sure to go on great lakes dragway.com check out all the latest in fun at great lakes dragway and, and bring sure us food yeah bring us food <laughs> <laughs> and also like to thank our friends at david hobbs honda make sure to check out a new honda or a used one too at david hobbs honda 6100 north green bay avenue in green on glendale i should say and joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline, it is Eddie Lapine from RacingNation.com. Welcome back to the show, Eddie. Hey, thanks, guys. I got two segments. Gee. Yeah, I know. Special for this week. And, of course, uh, coming up tomorrow, it is the IndyCar Grand Prix of Alabama. And, you know, Birmingham is, is when they first announced they were going to go there, everybody's going, oh, they're going to be awful there. But they, they, they certainly have put a, on a good show in the last couple of races, haven't they? Oh, definitely. And I think it's going to be a, a good show. That truck track is a lot. I think it's tougher than Long Beach. Oh, I think track. so, too. So, yeah, I'd, I would agree. And they're expecting rain, too, in the forecast, like a 100% chance. Really? Tomorrow. Oh. That's the latest I heard. So Interesting. it's definitely going to mix it up. So hmm. I think, you know, we could maybe see a uh, first-time winner. That, well, that might change up my prediction. Speaking of predictions, oh. let's go to the world of NASCAR and talking Cup Series, of course. They're in Richmond this weekend, tonight, in fact. Uh, Eddie, what's your pick for Richmond? Seeing I'm do, doing so well in the NASCAR world, I think I'm going to go with Kyle Larson. I think, I think this is going to be his weekend. I'd like to see that. How about you, the Polish pipe bomb, Jeff Rolowski? Well, if he can get over his pit gun issues, uh, give me a little uh, Denny Hamlin. Yeah, he always runs well at Richmond. That's a good pick, too. Uh, I'd like to go Kyle Busch, but yeah. Three, going for yeah, three in a row. That. I think I'm going to go with Martin Truex. He's just been running so strong, and uh, I think this could be you know, this could be his first win at uh, Richmond. So I'll Way go to Martin step Truex. out on a ledge, take the pole sitter. Yeah, I know that. <laughs> And then let's go uh, talking uh, Alabama, Bama Grand Prix. Uh, what says you, Eddie Lapine? I'm going to say Mr. Wickens. I think he's going to break out and win his first race. Okay. Right. When I think Alabama, I think Pagano. Okay. <laughs> Simon Pagano. So 
it's supposed to rain during the race, right? Yeah. That's what the okay. prediction wow. so that was. Rain, the weatherman. Rain, uh, that is true. Well, then, uh, what the heck? I'll, uh, since I took chalk in, in the NASCAR race, I'll go out on a limb for this one. Uh, rain means chaos in the IndyCar series. I want a guy with a little bit of European racing experience. I'm going to go Jordan King. All right. Ed Carpenter Racing. Now, there's yeah. the limb. There you go. Well, I will tell you, Steve, he did crash in practice today. I don't know if you saw that. He, pr- he crashed <laughs> he... in the third practice. <laughs> well, did he wipe <laughs> out? Is the car wiped out, or is he going to a well, backup they, car? They, well, they have not said yet, but it did go into the guardrail. <sighs> did go off. So I'm sorry to, sorry to spoil your... It just uh, means he got his bad know, luck bad. out of the way early, Steve. Yeah. He's ready to dominate. Exactly. Maybe you'll maybe have a strong back. Who's the best rain guy? Oh, then you know what? I'll go Rossi then. Okay, I'll go with Chuck. <laughs> but he's got European experience. He loves to rain. And we're I'll back to Chuck. So Chuck, Chuck. Uh, well, we'll go King slash Rossi. Oh, you talk How's to me. That? Yeah, yeah, Steve will take the field. We each pick one guy. He gets the field. Exactly. Exactly. Thank you as ever. We certainly appreciate you coming on the show. We will chat again. And uh, coming up next on the Final Inspection Show, it is Dennis Michelson and Laurie Monroe from Race Talk Radio. They'll be talking about the weather and just uh, kind of review the race from Bristol. And is uh, Kyle Busch the best short track racer? They'll also talk about Herschel McGriff, who will be running at 90 years old. That's awesome. And then also giving their Richmond preview. So coming up next on the Final Inspection Show, it is Laurie and Dennis from Race Talk Radio. You've been listening to the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove and David Hobbs Honda. Welcome back to the Final Inspection. 105.7 FM, the fan, Dennis Michelson, Laurie Monroe. From racetalkradio.com, that means it's time to go in-depth with your NASCAR talk. And Laurie Monroe, I am feeling very, very, very sorry for NASCAR and NASCAR brass today. Why? Why are you feeling sorry for them? They've had sort of one of those seasons where they've done Mm -hmm. a lot of things wrong. And... The racing has been sort of average. The attendance has had issues. Television's had issues. All of these things have an issues. Bristol Motor Speedway was supposed to help us forget about all this. Mm-hmm. And then NASCAR's dealing with rain. And it kind of ruins any positive momentum that they could have gotten out of this race. Oh, contraire. I I totally believe that this entire weekend at Bristol, the rain, everything going on, starting the race one day, finishing the next day, the fact that we actually had a really, really exciting race, the rain couldn't dampen that, having it held over two days couldn't dampen that. I was so thrilled with what I saw at Bristol. You could have spread it out over three days with a plague of locusts and a monsoon, and I would have still come away absolutely thrilled. Now, of course, you're going to feel sorry for the people who actually were there, the people in the stands, the people who had to leave and and couldn't come back. But my God, what an absolutely entertaining event that was. Come on, don't feel sorry for them. Well, I'll explain it better, maybe, because I share that same feeling. Like, the racing was not so good. Like, it wasn't just back in the pack not so good, either. 
it was typical short track racing where a guy got off to a three-second lead, and then when he comes up upon the lap traffic, the big old uh, you know rubber band tightens back up, and you have a great race again, and everybody's in the in the fight, and it's all exciting again. But here's where I I feel sorry for NASCAR, not for the great show that they put on, not that the fact that they could even put on a show despite some of the most brutal weather that we've ever seen this time of the year for Bristol Motor Speedway. But I feel sorry for NASCAR because they put on one hell of a show. They gave us an entertaining race that I give an A- minus to if I had to pick a grade. And then all people are talking about is NASCAR shouldn't have tried to get that race in. Maybe NASCAR should have a flexibility to race on Saturday when they see a bad forecast. Maybe NASCAR should do this. Maybe NASCAR should do that. The weather forecasts were lousy. They did this and it hurt the fans. Would you just shut up already? NASCAR cannot control the weather. They can't control what happened. But with the air Titans, they were actually able to get racing in. Why not celebrate the good? Why do we always, 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 and I know I'm guilty of this too often, but why can't we occasionally just enjoy the show? Because people love to complain. And by the way, that whole Air Titan deal, watching them on the track, how well they drive that track, I'm ordering one to dry my hair every night (laughs) because it takes me, I don't know, 20 minutes to blow dry my hair. I need an Air Titan for hair drying. That is the slickest thing, and we've seen them for a few years, yeah, but I can't believe when you actually have to sit there and you're waiting for the race to start, what a fantastic job those things do. Whoever invented those, they need a they need a trophy or something. I'm thinking that the person that invented those, if he did an ancestry DNA test, <laughs> yes, I'm wagering that the inventor of the Air Titan is somehow related to Smokey Eunuch. I know. Isn't that the truth? It is Absolutely. The, it's the most mesmerizing thing to watch. If you're yeah. in person watching this thing do its job, I've had the pleasure of standing like five feet away from them as they come rolling by you. It is the most phenomenal sound and phenomenal sheeting of water off of a racetrack that I've ever seen in my life. I cannot believe that you can have totally wet go to almost totally dry in two passes of that crazy thing. Yeah, but but you are right. Fans will just find something to complain about. I can't believe, again, how many people complained about the lack of people in the stands. And you know why there was no people in the stands. You know why. So... Come on, people, just just enjoy it for, for the love of God. Just enjoy the race. And here's the thing as far as the lack of people at Bristol. They overbuilt during the heydays of that place. Yeah. When, when A lot the, of tracks did, yeah. Night racing created a hype that just doesn't exist because we get too many night races. Back when it was only the one night race, then 158,000 people wanted to show up. Mm-hmm. And they had to buy tickets to every single race to get those night race tickets that they craved. Now that night racing is no longer an exciting thing on its own to get people out of their houses and off their couches to come out and see a NASCAR race, even if they fill the place halfway, 
That's 75,000 people. That's more people than go to the Super Bowl every year. So even if it's half full and looks horrible on TV, you still put the biggest crowd in there, and you're doing so in rural Tennessee. Yeah. So that's what I, I cannot stand when I hear these these negative nabobs of negativism. <laughs> Outdoing me. It feels like a coffee blend. It is. It is. It's 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 now available in both Tassimo <laughs> and Keurig. That's awesome. I like yeah. it. But getting back, get getting back to the racing after our advertisement for www.podcoffee.com. When it gets back to right. the racing, Kyle Busch is an animal. That's what I came away from this with. That guy just refuses to lose when he has the car to win. Oh yeah, he does. But I'll tell you, the guy who absolutely thrilled me and reminded me why this is such exciting racing was Bubba Wallace. I got such a kick out of seeing him race his way to the front of that pack. And, you know, of course he finished what 16th or something, but it just, it felt good because you can appreciate Kyle Busch and his talent. You expect him to be up there. But when somebody else who you're pulling for, who you hope does well, actually just puts on a show, that is thrilling. On old tires, he was still racing against guys with newer tires and doing a fantastic job. Is Kyle Busch, though, is he the best short track racer right now in NASCAR? Oh, absolutely. Hands down. You got to give it to Kyle Busch. If you don't believe me, just ask him. Now, we expect a good finish every once in a while from a guy like Bubba Wallace when it's a plate track and everything's equal. For him to put on such a show at one of the toughest tracks Mm -hmm. that's on the circuit, I guess any doubt about this kid's talent that anyone might have had has got to be gone away by now. Well, this is it. There's so many guys out there that given the chance, given the opportunity, given good equipment, as good as anybody else out there. And that's what it always comes down to. This is why there's people out there that don't even have rides, that probably even better than Kyle Busch. We're never going to know their names. I've, I've said this for years, just because they don't have a shot at getting in good equipment. There's some good drivers out there. Kyle Busch right now is certainly the best. But you gotta you gotta give a tip of the hat to to Bubba Wallace at, at the show that he put on. Well, folks, it is time for us to step out, and take a brief break. But Lori and I will be back with more NASCAR talk. You're listening to the Final Inspection, 105.7 FM, The Fan. Welcome back to the Final Inspection, 105.7 FM, The Fan. Lori and Dennis on a Saturday afternoon talking NASCAR. And Lori Monroe, we were talking about how great Kyle Busch is, but a while ago he said something that just made me laugh. Laugh out okay. loud. All right, LOL. Got, got me a real giggle going. Yeah, LOL. When he talked about being concerned some racers at some levels of the sport are racing big cars at too young of an age. 
this is a guy that broke into NASCAR at 16 for crying out loud. Does he forget? Is he getting one of, to be one of those angry old men in his 30s who's shaking his fist and saying, getting off my lawn? I really don't know. It's This is such a unique sport, and there's going to be kids who are really, really talented. And you don't know how good they are until they basically become a history lesson, a page in a history book. Kyle Busch is one of those guys. But when you have like a 12-year-old or 11-year-old or whatever kid driving a big car, that is a little bit unnerving. It really is. So, you know, there's going to be instances where there's kids out there who who drive better than, than people 10 times their age. But I, I, I really don't know. It's such an individual thing. Here's the thing. I used to think that way, that, oh, there's got to be an age restriction because a 14-year-old couldn't possibly handle that big of a car and do a, a good job. It's not safe. They don't have the emotional makeup to do this. Then I met a kid while doing a story back in my front stretch days named Alex Kennedy. And when he broke into full-size stock car racing, at the short track level, he was all of 13 years old. And I went for the test that he did out at Bearfield and then at Ileana the next day. And at both tracks, after a couple of warm-up laps, he pulled off the track because he didn't hear something right in the engine or transmission. And both times he saved the car from destroying itself as they went into the, to the test. And both times an older driver had been out in that same car doing laps and didn't notice the same thing. So I learned that age is not a factor, at least not on the young side. But the question is, can you be too old to still be racing? And no, I'm not saying anything bad about you, Morgan Shepard. Well, then there's Herschel McGriff. You know, it's very quaint. And it's, it's very much a feel-good story, but I really can't help but be slightly concerned. Now, I don't know if he's going to run a whole race or what he's going to do, but it really, you know, there's a lot of attention going to this. People are hearing a lot about it everywhere because who on earth ever hears about a 90-year-old race car driver? That, that is, that's a hell of a good age, Dennis Michelson, even for us. I'd like to I be... Just, I'd like to be uh-huh. breathing and doing a radio show at 90. Well, this is it. I just don't know if your your senses and your reflexes and your just your vision. Who cares about hearing? The youngest race car driver can't hear anymore anyway. But there's a lot of things against you, going against you when you're 90 years old. I just, I just don't have a good feeling about this. We saw what happened with Larry Pearson. Ooh. Several years ago on that race with all the old timers. I yeah. just, I, I just, I just don't know that we really need to see this. Here's the problem that I have. It's not that he's of a certain age. It's the fact that he hasn't been racing for quite some time. So I'm kind of wondering if when you get your license to race at a particular level of NASCAR, Shouldn't that license someday expire and that you have to re-qualify for it? I don't care if you're a 20-year-old kid coming up through the ranks yeah, 
and all of a sudden you're crashing every week, or whether you're a 90-year-old man who's not been in a race car for a while that's getting back in, shouldn't you have to re-qualify? Shouldn't there be some process in place to keep you from being able to do this if you're not quite ready? Because the guy's got his NASCAR license. As long as he, he's breathing and passes his physical, <laughs> they're going to let him race because they want the story. Yeah. But is that story worth having a potential problem? Because at 90 years old, even if you're in 100% health, you're not going to have the reflexes on the road or the eyesight on the road or anything else. And I just remember driving with Grandpa Harry in the old pickup truck, and he scared the heck out of me when he was in his 80s. I can't imagine being on a race car with 40 other cars at that age. Yeah, but, you know, this is just us coming off a conversation talking about how young kids should all be judged on an individual basis, too, before getting in a a large car. So this could totally shock us. He could go out and do well, hold his own, not get into trouble, not cause trouble. We just don't know. I suppose we should just sit back, enjoy the show, and again, just take all of this, uh, take all this different ages of people on an individual basis, and that's how we should judge them. There's probably 35-year-olds out there who shouldn't even be behind the wheel. We know we see that every day on the road. So again, I guess I shouldn't judge them too hard, but just logically thinking, it just doesn't sound good. We see that every week in the Cup Series with some of the rolling chicanes that are out there on the track. Well, this is it, yeah. Granted, they're in bad equipment, but they also don't know when the heck to get out of the way. Yeah. Yeah. Look at the accidents that happen on a weekly basis, and you see the same cast of characters involved more often than not. Yeah, you know, could be partially equipment, though, as you do say. Could be equipment, but it could be an issue, but... What a crazy story, because if you're doing anything at 90 years of age, that's pretty remarkable. All right, Laurie Monroe, heading to Richmond, the first night race. Let's put it to you this way, the first scheduled night race of the year. Yeah. We should have a heck of a show under the lights at Richmond. Yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to it. I absolutely love Richmond. Let's hope it doesn't snow or, or sleet or something like that. Uh and we have the Xfinity, I guess, on Friday night as well. So a good good doubleheader this weekend. I think we're going to get lucky with the weather later tonight in Richmond. It is going to be a little chilly before the race ends, but it will be hot in victory lane for one driver. And who is going to victory lane, Laurie Monroe? You know, I really have a good feeling about Clint Boyer again. I'm picking Clint. I am picking a long shot this week. I am picking a guy that we've only seen little glimmers of good racing from this year. But would you believe that if I had to put money down on this race, I would take Alex Bowman this week? You know, I can see that. That's not a bad pick. I think the short track is going to even up the equipment a little bit. And I think we're starting to see the Hendrick Motorsports guys getting the handle on this car, and I expect big things from the Showman Bowman. Very nice. Thanks for tuning in to the NASCAR segment on the Final Inspection, 105.7 FM, The Fan.
All right, Pipe Bomb back here in the studio. We want to say a big thank you to Eddie Lapine from RacingNation.com for joining the show. Dennis Michelson, Lori Monroe, Race Talk Radio as well. Make sure you check out the Final Inspection Show on Facebook. If you search TFI for the Final Inspection Show, you will find it always great articles, great pictures posted by Steve and Eddie and uh, every now and then I throw some stuff up there as well. It's fantastic. You'll love it. Uh, check us out on Twitter as well. So obviously, as we've been talking about, Richmond is tonight. Green flag flies at 544. Uh, we've got about a minute left. So uh, your starting lineup, Truex is on the pole. Chase Elliott starts second, followed by Joey Logano, Denny Hamlin, Kyle Larson, Kurt Busch, Eric Jones, Jamie McMurray qualifying eighth. He's running well this year. William Byron in the 24. He starts ninth. Kevin Harvick, he starts 10th. Now, Alex Bowman, Dennis Michelson's pick to win the race, goes off 11th. Stenhouse in 12th. Ryan Blaney, he starts 13th. Newman, 14th. David Reagan, Clint Boyer, Jimmy Johnson starts 17th. Bubba Wallace, 18th. Other notable drivers, uh, Austin Dillon, the weasel, he starts 23rd this week. Eric Amarola had a nice finish at Bristol. He rolls off 25th. Brad Keselowski, not a good qualifying effort for bad Brad. He's 28th. Kyle Busch, 32nd. Ouch. We're back next week. More of the final inspection show. We'll be back at you at 1 o'clock next week. It's a late start due to the uh, Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin on deck show. That's uh, taking an hour of our time next week. So on behalf of Steve Zaki, I'm Jeff Orlowski. Thank you for listening to the final inspection. We'll talk to you, Milwaukee, next week. Enjoy the race. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.